All right, everybody. Come on, aren't you glad to be at church today? Man, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week. I mean, anybody excited about some Thanksgiving food? Uh, some of y'all are. I heard, uh, I saw something the other day that said, listen, Thanksgiving is overrated. There's a reason why we only eat it once a year. Uh, but I, I like it. I love some, man, cranberry sauce. Don't give me none of that real stuff. I want the ocean spray. It don't need no chunks in it. Don't give me none of that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about this week. Hopefully you get to spend some time with family this week. Uh, it's a reality that many of us, we're going to be spending time with people that otherwise we wouldn't be caught dead with. <laughs> right? It's family. Y'all see them once a year. Uh, and, and, and it's always like, you know, there's an over-under. Are they going to say that this year? You know, Uncle so-and-so going to say something. You're like, that never happens. That's because they're talking about y'all. You. You're the man. You're the woman. Hey, we're in week three of a series we've called Encounter. Uh, it's really, really excited about this series. We have uh, taught on things like this in the past, and it's always a great opportunity for us to lean in in this time of year in the, into the presence and power of God in our lives. Week one, we talked about baptism. We talked about how really it is, we, call, we titled it Launch Day. And I've been teaching baptism for many, many years um, and never really put two and two together as it related to this. But actually, um, a synonym for baptism is launch. And I thought, how, wow, how significant, how awesome is it? Because, you know, depending on how you grew up, um, how, what backgrounds you grew up in, we're a non-denominational church. We get people from all walks of life. You're tuning in online, all walks of life, baby backgrounds and, and different teachings on baptism. Uh, in the evangelical circle, us, a non-denominational evangelical church, we don't necessarily believe that, uh, we don't believe that, that baptism is a saving work. We believe it is, um, it, is, it is a declaration of the saving work, that we're saved by grace by the blood of Jesus alone, so that no man can boast. It's through Jesus alone that salvation comes. We believe that, that baptism is this step of obedience that tells the world, right, that what God has done on the inside. But as a result, because we don't necessarily believe it's a saving work, um, it, over the years, really in the Protestant church, baptism has gained less and less significance. It's just something you do. But it's not. It literally is something supernatural happens when we step and walk in obedience in baptism. Of all the things that God could have come out, and, and, and like Jesus. Jesus did a lot of miracles, right? I mean, he raised the dead. He healed the blind. He, he opened the ears of the deaf. He walked on water, y'all. Woo, caught it. Walked on water. Like he did all kinds of incredible things. But isn't it significant? It should be, as we read in Scripture, the one thing that, that, that Jesus did that caused the Father to come in the form of a, the Holy Spirit, land on him and say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Y'all, it was baptism. It was just a simple step of obedience. Now, when I, when I, when I spoke about this a couple weeks ago, I would say, you parents understand that. If you're a mom and dad, you understand that. That one time when your child, like you've been training your children to respond first and fast, and it doesn't happen a lot, and then that one time you said something, they went, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and you went, they just did that? <laughs> Ooh, they did it the first time. They did it, right? Like it's a, It causes you to celebrate. It's that moment. And, and walking in obedience to baptism, it, 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 it makes the heart of God smile. Why? Because something supernatural happened. What happened when Jesus was baptized? 
Huh? The Bible says he was led into the wilderness by the enemy to be tempted by the Lord. He was literally, after his baptism, is when he was launched into his earthly ministry. Y'all know that? Jesus lived on this earth almost 30 years before he actually publicly went into ministry. It happened after his baptism. When you walk in obedience to the Lord in baptism, it literally launches you into God's purpose and destiny for your life. It's not a saving work, but it is a, it is a supernatural work. It is for us here and now. So we talked about that. Week two, we talked about prayer. Can you hear me now? Come on, anybody remember the old uh, Verizon commercials? And I love it when before Sprint went out of business, before they merged with T-Mobile, Sprint stole the guy from them, and like Sprint started doing that commercial. And uh, can you hear me now? Like we talked about the, the power of an authentic, consistent prayer life that God wants to be in relationship with us. And then today, uh, we're going to talk about the, the title of your message today is, But There's More. Anybody love infomercials back in the day? Come on, anybody remember some good infomercials? The ShamWow? Come on, that's like the most, like you remember that? Like uh, infomercials, they would sell you on something, but there was always a little bit more. Now, if you're around Birmingham, if you grew up around Birmingham, you know there's a restaurant here. There's a hamburger place, famous in Birmingham only. It's called Milo's Hamburgers. Anybody like Milo's in here? Milo's friends, Milo's fans, yeah? Some of y'all ain't because you're not really from here, and that's okay. We love you anyway. Um, because I lived on the Gulf Coast for a while. They brought a Milo's. Everybody hated it. I was like, well, that's great because I love it. It's all for me. Uh, but Milo's is famous for adding that extra little bit of hamburger on it. So if you open that many times, you'll open it and go, what the heck? They forgot to give me my patty. You go up, no, man, we gave you extra. We didn't forget. We gave you a little more. Uh, in Louisiana, they come up with a uh, kind of a catchy little phrase. The Cajuns call it lanyap. That extra little bit more. It's extra little blessing. And that's what we want to talk about because many people think they have a good understanding of what worship is. Maybe, especially in the South, you have grown up in church in some way, form, or fashion. Or maybe you didn't grow up in it, but at some point you went to church. And, and our understanding of worship, for many of us, it's very broad, isn't it? It's very different from different, uh, different forms, different expressions of worship, depending on how you grew up and what background you grew up in. I grew up, um, I was saved in an independent, fundamental Baptist church, King James only. Um, and, 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 you know, the red book was only thing we could sing from, that kind of stuff. And um, we weren't allowed to speak in tongues, but it was very charismatic expressive worship other than that. You know what I mean? Like it was very, uh, very broad spectrum of worship. And then maybe some of you grew up in more of a liturgical worship background where that was so far off the reservation that there's no way you could experience anything like that. And it was more reformed and liturgical and repetitive. And, and maybe that's your form of worship and all kinds of different types of worship. Well, the Bible reminds us this in Acts chapter 17. Why is that even a reality? Well, this is our theme verse. If you want to pull your notes, pull them out, uh, get your notes. It says, Acts 17, 26 and 27. It says, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they would rise and when they should fall. He determined their boundaries. His purpose in all of this was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps Feel their way toward him and find him. Come on, that's the hope of God. Everything, all throughout history, y'all, we're breathing. We're breathing. We have a life inside of us. We are breathing for this purpose, that, that humanity might feel their way toward God and worship him. That we might bring him glory. 
that we might encounter the presence of God in a real way. You know what's been significant to me in my faith journey is all throughout history you can see it, and really even in my own life it's happened to me, that even though God was very clear on what he was going to say and how he was going to act and the things he was going to do all throughout history, anytime he actually did it, it was a shock to humanity. Hey, I'm going to rescue you from Egypt. Oh, okay. Then he does it, and they're shocked. Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm Jesus. I'm, I'm going to die. I'm coming back from the dead. It's going to happen. He very clearly told his disciples. Y'all know what they did the day that he passed away? Y'all know what he did? Peter said, I'm going fishing. It's over. He didn't believe him. When he came back, they didn't even recognize him. Not because he didn't look like him, because they thought they literally saw him die. They didn't believe him. It was an encounter. That word encounter literally means unforeseen happenings. It's an unforeseen Circumstance. In other words, you encounter the living presence of God, but you did not expect it. And the reality is there should be an expectation. We should expect to encounter him. We should expect to be in his presence. But the reality is, for most of us, it is an encounter every time. And so today I want to talk to us about what it looks like to encounter him in worship. The question is not, will we worship? The question is, what will we worship? You see, humanity is wired to worship. Y'all know that. Like even if, even if um, because worship simply this. Worship, what I worship is anything that gains top priority in my life. That's, that's a simplistic version of what worship is. The number one priority in my life is the thing that gets my worship. So even if you were to speak to a staunch atheist in this world and they would go, I don't worship anything. No, 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 no. They do because humanity is wired to do that. They wouldn't call it worship. Their language wouldn't look like that, but their action would very much so follow in lines of what worship is. It's something in their life that gains top priority in their life. So it's not will we worship, it's what are we worship. We either worship God or we worship something that God created. That's a very true reality. Some things like people worship all kinds of things. Like we worship sports we worship brands, like there are brand fanatics in this world. Like some of y'all are Ford fans and Chevy fans. And like you see a, a real Ford guy and they're like, oh, Chevy's crap. I don't want any. Right? And then, uh, you know, Ford found on the road dead. You know what I mean? Like all the Chevy people hate Fords. And uh, like, like there's all that stuff, right? Like you have a brand allegiance. It's something that you're aligned to. Motorcycle riders, come on, Harley folks. I mean, <laughs> I like motorcycles. I just got one this past week. Like, you see for Harley folks that anybody else that's not that, like, you're not welcome here. Like, like, like there's a brand loyalty to things in this world. Like, that's an allegiance. That is a form, y'all. It's worship. That's really what it is uh, to some degree. So we all have, like golf, there's, you know, like if you come with a superior or a subpar uh, equipment in golf, people will snub you. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of what it looks like. Well, why? Because we all have allegiance to things. We're wired that way. It doesn't make us bad people. It makes us operational to the way God's wired us. The cool thing is, the, the reality is, God said in Exodus, what did he say? He said, I am a jealous God, have no other gods before me just don't worship anything before me don't have an allegiance that takes my place so what does that look like in my personal walk with God today come on we want to survey your own life if I'm really honest does my understanding of worship only happen on a Sunday morning for an hour every week is that what that is that what my understanding of worship really is 
Because the truth is, at all times, 24-7, in your life, we're worshiping something. It's either the creator or the created. And many times in our lives, we find ourselves only worshiping the creator in our mindset that one time a week. And God says, I'm a jealous God. I don't want it one time a week. I need it all the time. So we're going to pray. We're going to dive in. I'm going to share with you some things of what I think worship is. I think it will help you in your faith journey. All right? So let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and breathing. It's for us. Father, I pray in Jesus' name as we open it today that it, that it penetrates our hearts, inspires us to live a life on purpose in a way that honors you. Oh, you'll get all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you're taking notes, write these down online. Go ahead and write this down. Number one, worship is appreciation. It's appreciation. I love Psalm 103. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it's a great reminder of the goodness of God. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With all of my heart, I'll praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. And listen, write this, underline this part. May I never forget the good things he's done. May I never forget the, the, the blessing of God in my life. And if you go on to read Psalm 103, it literally lists things, the incredible things that God's done in our lives. It's an expression, right? Worship is a reminder of the good things of God in spite of some of the bad sometimes. Come on, anybody ever walk through a bad circumstance, a bad situation? Oftentimes when we walk through difficult or negative circumstances in our life, we lose our worship and we gain some criticism, don't we? God, why me? Why now? Why this? Why is this going on? Who? What did I do? What, me? What did I do? Right? Like that's how we find ourselves. But the truth is, it's a reminder of the good things in our life. There's all kinds of expressions of worship found in Scripture. Do you know that? I love this one. You want to write this one down? Psalm 134 and 2. There's literally an example of raising your hands in worship. It literally tells them, lift your hands to the sanctuary. Now, parents, especially parents of young children, it does your heart good when that baby from the first time reaches up to you, doesn't it? Come on, isn't that a joy? Isn't that a moment that brings joy to your heart? Like it does the Father as well. A physical sign of surrender. A physical sign of I need help. A physical sign that says, Father, I need you. Lift your hands. I'll never forget the first time in my life that I lifted my hands in a worship experience. It was in a, a very Southern Baptist church. Uh, and I remember like getting, I mean, my, my heart was pounding. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it today. I'm out. When they sing, I'm going to do it. I don't care what anybody. I remember psyching myself out. And I remember like getting to that moment and they're singing. I don't even know whether it's some hymn they were singing. And I remember getting my hands to like right here. You know what I mean? And I was like, I'm just going to stop here. That's good enough. That's good enough. God, you see me. I, I'm doing it, right? And like it was this moment of like utter fear. And like in that particular church, I was like, there's no way this is even allowed. Like I am such a rebel, you know, like no way they're letting me do this. And I, it felt like a spotlight was like on me, like when I did it. And everybody was, they didn't care. Nobody was looking. But that's how I felt, right? And in that moment, I remember it becoming easier as time went on. It became a little bit more and a little bit more. And when those moments, when you can get into a moment of worship and you can like, like without worrying of what's going on around you. Lift your hands to the Father. Literally, the same comfort that a child gets when a father picks them up is the comfort that you'll begin to feel in those moments of worship when you cry out to God. It's a lifting of the hands. That's an example. The Bible talks about singing in Psalm 149. It says it, to sing to the Lord a new song. <coughs> 
Like we're required. Like he asked for us to sing. Y'all know God created music, right? Like he created it. It was, it was his idea. <laughs> Some of us like, I got this great new thing. No, it's his. He created it. Like God designed it. And he loves it when we do it. We sing for all kinds of occasions. Like there's literally any major thing in the world, there's always been a song written or created for it. We sing happy birthday to celebrate the birth of children. There's national anthems to celebrate a nation. There's alma maters to celebrate a school. There's literally a song for everything. And the Bible says, I love it. God loves it when we sing a new song to him, about him, honoring him, glorifying him. Sing a new song. I love Psalm 149. It keeps on. It goes on in that same passage. In verse 3, it says to praise him with dancing. Now, some of y'all like me. We're white as white can be. And that's like legit. You know what I mean? Like my dancing is, you know. That's about all I got. You know what I mean? That's, like, that's it. I don't have any rhythm. I don't have much other than this right here, you know? But I do the best I can. And when I get really excited, I add a little jump to it. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's like one leg to the other. That's all you got, right? Uh, but that's, but I'm going to do it. Why? Because the Bible says he loves to see it. My son, shepherd brother, he's got my, he's got my rhythm. The boy can't dance, but boy, he is going to try. I mean, he gets excited. He will give it all he has. And there's just something about Man, when a child gets excited, you see that little happy dance, right? Doesn't it just bring you joy? Man, it does the Father. It does him as well. He loves it when joy overflows into our actions. He says, man, celebrate me with dancing. It's a good thing. He talks about it. He said, accompanied with music. Go on to verse 3 in Psalm 149. Accompanied by the tambourine and the harp. Now, I do want to remind you, it is 2022. We have evolved from the harp and the tambourine, Okay. So I believe in Psalm 149, had there been electric guitars and acoustics and keyboards and all of those things, that they'd probably have said that, right? Like, we, like I've been in all kinds of worship experience. I'm, I'm in some when, boy, they are wearing the tambourine out. And I'm like, hey, y'all, they've evolved. We got better instruments, right? Like, it's okay. Like, but God loves it when we, when we play music. He loves it when there's music, when there's dancing, when there's celebration going on because of him. He designed it. It's everywhere. Serving y'all, that's an, that's, a, that's an act of worship, right? That's an expression of worship to him. God finds as much joy in us being the serving hands of Jesus as he does when we lift our hands on uh, in, in a worship experience. He finds as much joy when we're serving the least of these as he does when we're shouting and singing and dancing in, in those moments of celebration. When I give a giving is an act. It's an expression of worship. Generosity brings joy to the heart of God. It attracts his presence to your life. It's why God said, test me and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out more than you can contain. Why? Because when I give, it attracts his presence and he brings all that his presence brings along with it. Like it brings the presence and grace and favor of God. It is literally an act of appreciation to the Father. Every act of worship that I can bring, all of those different ideas, all of those different ways and forms. Y'all, it's an opportunity for me to say, God, I'm so thankful for you. And whatever that looks like for you. For some of y'all, you would go, hey, dancing ain't for me. I can't do it. Well, fine. There's other expressions. There's lots of expressions. The hope is 
that in some way, form, or fashion, as a follower of Jesus, there would be some form of appreciation inside of me that it can't help but overflow into some way, some form, some fashion. For some of y'all, you go, man, that ain't me. I'm not going to do all that stuff, but boy, I can be generous. I can't do all that stuff, but boy, I can be a serving hand somewhere, some way. It's an act. It's an expression of worship that draws the presence of God. Maybe you're in here today, and maybe the Lord could just challenge you a little bit. Maybe, maybe some of those things, those expressions that you've been nervous about your whole life, maybe that could be an expression for you to give a shot. Maybe that one day you're going to stand like I did that one day, and you're going to be nervous, and your heart's going to be pounding, and it's going to feel like you're riding a roller coaster, and your hands are going to be shaking when you raise them up for the first time in your life. And then maybe you grew up in more of a charismatic expression of worship, and maybe, just maybe, you need to stop all the hooping and hollering, and maybe, just maybe, you find, a, you find somebody just to serve. And maybe, that, maybe that's a new expression of worship for you. Maybe, maybe it's okay for us to uh, experience all of those different expressions of worship, and it honors God all the same, right? It's an expression of appreciation. I love this one. Number two, it's a declaration. I love this. It's a declaration. When I praise, when I worship, I declare. Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 9, verses 1 through 3, it says this. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you've done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. And listen to what happens. My enemies retreated. They staggered and died when you appeared. Isn't that incredible like you go okay i'm declaring the name of god and then all of a sudden some oh man my enemies retreated they staggered they died y'all know this right that our battle is just not against flesh and blood now some of y'all mad at somebody right now y'all are going to thanksgiving this week mad at somebody Right now, y'all are going, I'm all ready. I'm not going to sit at the same table with them. I'm going to sit across the room. I'm going to find me a corner. I'm going to eat my food, and we're going to leave. <laughs> I'm going to show my face, and that's all I'm doing. Come on, we've been there. I know, right? Like, we're not, against, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We love to portray what the enemy is doing in our life onto people and humanity because you can feel and touch and see those things. But our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. The Bible reminds us in the New Testament, right? It's not against flesh and blood. But it is a battle. The enemy comes, y'all, to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus reminded us of that. He said, go ahead and let you know ahead of time, before it ever even happens, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you have my have life and life more abundant, life to the fullest, literally life overflowing, this side of heaven. You can have that, but it reminds us that there must be a declaration in our life. Listen, worship isn't just love songs. It's a battle cry. It is. Worship isn't just serving somebody for the, for the good little fluffy feelings you get inside when you do it. It's a battle cry. When I serve somebody, I'm fighting the enemy. When I give through generosity, it's a, it's a punch, to the, it's a blow to the enemy. When I lift my hands in worship, y'all, it doesn't do anything good for him. It does it for us. It's a battle that we're in. Let me prove it to you. Second Chronicles chapter 20. You ready for this? It's an Old Testament. It says this. After consulting the people, the king appointed the singers to walk ahead of the army. I love that. Look at our worship team in here today. If I told them, hey, we're going to a physical fight, I'm going to need y'all to go first. <laughs> I can guarantee you that tambourine player that day was like, what are we doing here? Singing to the Lord, praising him for his holy splendor. Y'all recognize this. It was a worship experience going on. 
They weren't even saying in that worship experience, God deliver us from our enemy. They were telling God how good he was. It was appreciation, right? They were honoring him. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful in love endures forever. At the very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. You see, worship's all about your motive. Authentic worship is all about your motive. Now, if, if, if I find myself in a moment of, of, of appreciation to the Father only because I can get something out of it. Come on, y'all read the minds of your kids. You know when they're coming to you for real or when they're coming to you because they want something. Anybody else? Am I the only one that can read that book? Y'all know, right? They come to you. They're appreciating you, and you're like, you little punk. You're about to cost me some money, right? Like, you know when it's real and when it's not. God knows when it's real and when it's not. Like he understands. And when it's in a moment of authentic worship, it attracts the presence of God. Like they did. Like it was an authentic moment. They weren't doing it just to get something out of it. It was authentic. But they knew that it was a battle. It was a war cry. At that very moment, they began to sing. And God caused chaos amongst the others. You see it in the walls of Jericho, the great story in the Old Testament where Israel came and they marched around the city for seven days. And on that seventh day, they shouted with a voice of triumph, honoring the grace and mercy of God. And the walls fell. One of the most fortified cities in the history of the world, mind you, fell, crumbled at the power and the presence of God. You go, oh, yeah, but that's Old Testament. That didn't happen today and to here, right, in, in these moments in our lives. Well, we see it in the New Testament, right? You see it in the book of Acts with Paul, with Paul and Silas in prison. They've been imprisoned for their faith. And it says in the midnight hour, in the late evening, they weren't complaining. They weren't crying out, God, you need to deliver us. They weren't saying, oh, why in the world is this happening to me? No, in the midst of a moment, they recognized my battle is not with Rome. My battle is not with flesh and blood. It ain't even got nothing to do with the jailer who's treating me the way he's treating me. I'm going to honor God even in moments of anger and frustration. I'm going to honor God even in moments that don't look like they're going my way. The Bible says that they lifted up the name of God. They worshiped him and sang hymns, and everybody saw it around them. And it says, in that moment, in the midnight hour, as they did that, literally, the place shook supernaturally, and they were set free from the bondage that they were in. Worship is a declaration. It is literally declaring who God is. God inhabits the praises of his people. His presence changes things. Worship ushers in his presence. Y'all, he responds to worship. Like God responds to worship. It attracts the presence of God to every situation. And then I love this, number three. Worship is representation. Y'all, everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The king, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Oh, this is good. You ready? You want to underline this. Don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you're going to learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Hey, can I tell you something real quick? I didn't even say this in the first experience, but listen, you go, how do I know if I'm copying the customs and behaviors? How do I, what does that look like? How do I even know? Well, listen, look, look at what culture around you is perpetuating. 
Look at what, like, like open our eyes. Like it, let's look at what culture is teaching and, and leading and, and, and calling people to. If, if, if the way I think lines with culture, God is saying, stop. And I know, listen, the enemy is good. The Bible calls him the great deceiver. Like there's going to be lots of times where you can't, where it would be hard. It literally says that if it were possible, he could deceive the very elect of God. Meaning he's good, he's good at arguing. The enemy is good at, at, play, at presenting a case. That's why at times, especially in today's culture, you can, state, you can see an argument being presented and you can go, well, that sounds, that sounds about right. That sounds okay. Like why are we fighting against that? Why, why can't we just love everybody? Like why can't that just be a thing? Well, that's, listen, it's a good argument. The enemy's a good deceiver. And the Bible reminds us in this moment, don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think, by changing the things that you do. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and perfect and pleasing to him. Here is just a reality in this world. The Bible speaks of it in the New Testament that there's coming a day where the evil where evil will be called good and good will be called evil there will be a moment in which the world gains traction culture gains traction and as a follower of Jesus because your mind is opposite of what culture teaches deception can come in and you find yourself wanting to fit in with a crowd and God is saying I need you to stand out from everybody else your life is a representation to the world around you of who authentically has your allegiance. That's really what worship is. That no matter what, God, you're number one. No matter what, you get my worship. It's kind of like marriage, right? If you told your spouse that you're only going to show them love and affection one day for a week on an hour, and that hour was over and you're done, and you said, well, it's been fun, it's been great, see you next week. And then six other days, you completely ignore that they exist, Right? How many of y'all think that would be a harmonious marriage? Huh? That that would be, there would be joy in the home, right? When you come home after work. No. No. But man, that's how we treat our faith, right? I love, that, I love the example that, that, that God gives us. We are the body of Christ. We're the body. We worship him through the, as the body of Christ. I love this. Check this out. With our eyes, we see him, Right? With our ears, we hear him. With our mind, we comprehend him. Hey, y'all, with our tongues, we speak of him. It's our senses that allow us to feel him. It's our hands that serve him. It's our feet, y'all, that take him. We are the body of Christ. And that ought to be represented in our life. Y'all, it's not just something we do. It's who we are. Here's my question. Here's the survey we're going to take of our lives in this moment as we pray. What does my life look like as I worship? Is it actually a representation to the world around me? I'm going to pray for you. You bow your heads and close your eyes. Our band's going to come. Listen, nothing funny or weird's going to happen, I promise. It's a moment for you to pray. It's a moment for you to find your spot with the Lord. You would simply say, maybe you're tuning in online. This is you, wherever you're tuning in from. And I'm surveying my life. Is my life a life of worship? Does Jesus have allegiance in my life? Listen, if that's you, maybe today, maybe you recognize that he don't have allegiance. Maybe you recognize today that there's really not an authentic life of worship that you're living. 
And it can begin with a brand new relationship with him. You would simply say where you are, Father, forgive me. I'm so sorry that I've done it in my own strength, my own ability. Today, I confess that I need a Savior. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. I'm going to live my life on purpose in a way that honors you. Thank you for salvation. And for my friends today, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would recognize. We would recognize that we need to declare the good works of God in our life. That literally our life is a life of appreciation for what you've done and are doing. That worship is a battle cry. It's not just emotion that we go, to, go through. But our life is a living, breathing example of the work you came to fulfill on the cross. And so, God, this week, this month, this year, God, we're recommitting ourselves to live a life of holy worship to you. Oh, that you'll get all the honor out of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, 1015. Can you honor him today? Come on, he's worthy. Yeah. Yeah.